Ah, commercials. Strawberita. Oh, okay. Oh, it's is it World of Warcraft? No, it's LOL. League of Legends. Oh. Kinda looks like Age of Empires or some shit. Same Same thing. One of those strategy games. There's a lot of them. Dude, Age of Empires is the tits. Yeah? I've actually never played it. Really? Mm-hmm. I, I just beat AoE 3 this last weekend and oh. AoE 2, uh, the expansion pack, like, yesterday. Yeah. It sucks, though, dude, because because video games really are my fucking, like, super addiction. Yeah? I can't, I can't do it. Like, I, I literally lost a weekend when I downloaded AoE 3. It oh, sucked. I should have gotten a picture before and after. Before, oh, because then it could have gone up on the cast. Well, you, oh, that's true. Uh, for those of you listening, TJ shaved his mustache. No, no, he shaved the mustache. No, or shaved mustache. everything but his mustache. Right. He created a mustache. Exactly. We're getting lubricated. And the problem is, is that my photo on the site, I had to clean shave that night. That's because true. The character that I was playing. Apparently he's clean shaven. Hey man, dude, Sam, Sam is a sexy <laughs> bitch. It, it worked, didn't it? It worked. Dude, it worked like gangbusters. Yeah, yeah like six and a half out of ten. What? Yeah. You mean as far as progression? Yeah. I'd, I'd say style points were not there. What? Style points were all dude, over the place. Dude, style points were so there. Are you kidding me? Style points were some chicks. Dog. You don't realize that style points go right out the window as dude. soon as you get too drunk. Well, no, see that. Was when oh, you're too drunk, oh style goes out the, the window and you start shots. getting negative points. The tequila shots were a bad choice. Well, I wasn't that playing was this fault. game. No, no, no. For you though, TJ, TJ, look yes, at yourself. Yes, sir. for you. Yes, sir. For you though, you weren't too drunk. No. You were. Making out with a hot ass fucking cheerleader. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. That shit worked like gangbusters. She saw you from the line, guessed your character, and you got it in. Well, See, you fucking. You guys, you guys you didn't believe me 100 in the beginning. I said, I said. You got to the five yard <coughs> line. I said, trust me on this one, and you guys said, okay. And then. Well, you no, dude, I was all was down for it. As soon it, as you, you brought in the concept of I get a fake tattoo. I was down for it. Yeah. That's what sold it for me. <laughs> All right. Well, that's what made it work. I mean, it would have worked without it, but that made, that was the cherry on top. Right. Because, like, top. it's it's an extra treat. Yeah. Once once they get underneath. Yeah, because they're like, oh, my God, are you guys Sam and Dean? And we're like, yes. And show them that <laughs> Yodel. Too. And they're just like, <gasps> Sam and Dean. And then I played my character very well. Yep. I'm, I mean, like that, that tattoo yeah. that's on, on the on the picture on the podcast site's real. I, I, I lied. That, yeah, that's real. Yep, real tattoo. Yeah, abs- yes, absolutely. It's a real tattoo. Yeah. That you got in Mexico on the beach. Uh, it's made out of henna. A, a it's a real it henna tattoo. It's a no, real it's henna tattoo. When I was in tattoo. the gulag for a month for yeah, no, spitting you were, in public. You were drunk on um but banana daiquiris, was it? Or <laughs> strawberry Mai Tais? No, peach peach teenies. Peach teenies. Peach teenies in Cabo San Lucas with oh, all actually, your girlfriends. No, the per- all you listening out there, peach teenies are now the new Apple Teens. <laughs> actually, no. Okay, Dude, so I'm in, in on a peach teeny. <laughs> the, the correct term for the peach teeny is actually the nectarini. The nectarini. nectarini. Like the nectarini. Like Dude, I bet you okay, so you know that place Eloy's? Mm-mm. Uh, it, it's like I've heard of it. Just <coughs> up, it. just up the street from the the um, hunt club. The strips. oh sure, sure, sure. Oh yeah, the old strip. The X strip bar. What is it I, now? 
I think it's a church. Are you shitting me? Yeah, it absolutely is. <laughs> that's the same thing that happened to the other with the other the cowboy church, uh, like in Eaton or Alton. Wait, is that closed? No, 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 no. It used to be like a bar or strip joint or yeah. some shit. Oh, okay. All right. But um, yeah. So this place, Eloy's. I walk in there one time. And Spare I, them, for they know not what they do. <laughs> Make it a church. <laughs> and I, I walk up to place. the guy and I ask. I say. <clears throat> Uh, give me an old fashioned, and he goes, uh, "What's what, in that? What's yeah. that?" And I was like, "Oh shit, uh, I'll have a Jack and Coke." Exactly. <laughs> so, choice. so if I went in and I was like, "I'll have a Nectarini," um, what what's in that? Um, I'll have a uh, vodka cranberry and <laughs> a little bit of eeny. Ne- yes, it's, yeah. there's nectar there's in it. There's nectar and some eeny. And some eeny. Uh, if you go to France, they have some pretty good eeny there. Uh, you better be careful asking for E in a bar. That's true. Yeah, for e? be careful. Yep. You do. Criminal. Smooth criminal. Smooth criminal. A smooth criminal. Digga 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 bang bang you didn't join in. I was dancing. Yeah. So Jackson. Dancing. Jackson. Look at me, I'm dancing. Jackson. Try and touch me. Jackson. Jackson. Huh. Um, you sold, what, three cars today? Two cars today. Two cars today. Three cars this month? I'm at. Or more? Yeah, I'm at three. Nice. Don't disclose your personal information. It was two today. It was two today. But, whatever. those ones were both half deals. So technically, I got one today, but I got two deals today. Okay, well, so you made both of them happen. I That's did. what counts. I did. I did. Yeah. Well, it's early in the month, too. So. It is early in the month. I got a lot of time. Left. It's going to be a good month. It's going to be a good month. Yeah, I'm dude. great. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the summertime and, like, oh, yeah. the run-up to the summer is yep. when people start buying toys. <clears throat> even yep. though even though the best time is, is uh, right before the end of the year or right at the beginning of next year, you buy last year's model. Yep. Because everybody is <coughs> crunching to try and get in those sales, and oh, they're yeah. like, "All right, we'll get anything in because I just want to pump my number." Oh, yeah, exactly. Well, we didn't. Like, we didn't do this. Sell. Like, yeah. This is the Shotgun Rider podcast with Joe McDaniel, TJ Moran, Jackson Long, and TJ again. <laughs> Go on, Jackson. Tell us your car story of magnificence. Okay. Magnificence. So today was a good day. I had a great time. Um, basically, I got a turn from one of the other salesmen. He wasn't able to help out the customers out there, so I went out and took it and uh, met the guy today. Great guy. And uh, I ended up selling him a 2011 awesome Camaro SS. And uh, the thing was beautiful. It was. It felt good. It was one of those ones that I made made good money on, and uh, you know he left happy. He was buying it for a toy. He was uh, buying it to play. He just retired and... Decided he wanted to have a good time, and he made the right choice buying that. So did he, did he walk in looking for awesome. a Camaro? He knew what he wanted. That that was that he did know what he wanted. He he saw it on our website, I believe, and or on a on the internet somewhere, and uh, knew it was what he wanted. Came in, we showed him the vehicle. I told him a little bit about it, and uh, he ended up loving it. That's I mean, awesome. how can you not love the, one Dude. of the new style Camaros? It's, I know it's it just makes your balls tingle when you hear that sound. Oh, yeah, it was just oh, oh, Yeah, that sounds nice. It had power. Oh man, it's it's like a toy. Even the, wait, the Camaro does that have a live rear axle, live rear axle, or independent suspension all it's around? It's live. Really? Yes, it is. That's where it becomes a fun Tonka toy, 
because it doesn't really. Co- I mean, it will corner like a motherfucker, oh, yeah. honestly. But it, I mean, it has a great time around the Nurburgring. But at the same time, that's the same technology they used on a covered wagon for suspension. Yeah. So you hit the fucking <laughs> gas on one of those things, you're breaking loose, screeching tires, leaving 11s, and going. It, like it was, that's it is so it is, that's the reason you buy that car. It is a limited slip diff. Um, you mean automatic or? manual no just that it has that uh that posi track kind of thing oh in back yeah the i mean that so you'll still leave 11s right so it's you're not just it's, one will be done you're not gonna burn out on one side and right. go forever but right if say you're going over a curve it curb it's going to right. help you out well even a curve <coughs> true even Freudian a curve. slip curves that's, that's what true. it's made for the thing is though, the nice thing about those things especially the v8 ones is uh you can spin the tires like a mm-hmm. mother around corners yeah mm-hmm. it is you can whip that thing like around. a mother really yeah i didn't know my mother was like a uh mother Really, you, you gotta can say yourself on you the can fucker, s- dude, dude. I they all heard. Dude. At least give me a hearty mf'er, like a dude. motherfucker. I meant like mf'er. There you but go. That's we have no, nope. dude. I'm saying the full word, dude. We have me. we have the explicit on iTunes, so you're good. Yeah, you said good, good. Anyway, yeah, but, you sold the Camaro, yeah. and what else did you sell? Um, also sold an Envoy, an older Envoy, GMC. Nice. You know the Kia Sorento? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of like that, but better. <laughs> because like it's luxury or American. luxury better or sport better? Uh, neither. It's it's just space better. It, it, it's a, it's a midsize SUV. Like build quality. It's a midsize. It's a good family vehicle. It's a good see, vehicle. Well, to see, get here, town. here's the bigger thing. or smaller than a Moreno. Smaller. Okay. Here's the thing about the Kias is that mechanics love to see Kias come in because at thirty thousand miles, everything needs to be replaced. Everything <laughs> breaks. That's <laughs> when they yep. see it at thirty thousand. They're like, Fuck, yeah. except for all the electronics. Those well, electronics the, I mean, will be there till the end of days. The Koreans are good at electronics. <laughs> it's true. I, I mean, the fucking cube. Well, have you seen the Soul with its light up speakers and all that? That's basically a remake of the fucking cube. It, basically, it, it really looks, is. I, I hate the cube. cube. Oh, the cube's done. I think the three sided window. Stupid. I'm sorry. That, no one sue me, but I hate the cube. Who let the dogs out? But yeah, the, the soul is it's, it's a little more stylish. Yeah. It's still kind of feminine in its own sense, but they're not bad cars. And uh, they have the cool live speakers you can turn it on to where it's got like neon changing lights as you're right. playing, like to the music. It's really cool. That is really cool. It's pretty neat. I, I, I that's I'm glad that they finally took technology out of uh, stretch. Um, ex- Ford Expeditions and you know other stretch SUVs mm-hmm. and finally put it into the economy um, right. you know get around town car that's the, the, that's the everything I was looking for in the driving experience yeah. was a light show that's just all I wanted <laughs> yeah. just like the Mini Cooper uh, uh, Clubman or whatever that I, I wanted oh, the, the tiniest countryman. Yeah, the, the Clubman no, no it's the Clubman it's, no, it's, the, the, countryman. Countryman. it's the, the Countryman it's the, it's the four, I the saw it yesterday it's a, it has the biggest fucking letters I've ever seen on the back side of a car that? I haven't seen a Countryman dude it's the Countryman is the Mini, mini Cooper 4 by 4 version a Mini on a mini. spinach 4x4 yeah, yeah it has four doors a light show on the inside that makes sense because the three door one yes yeah yeah Countryman well and it's also for roaming around the country which is it does surprisingly well for a vehicle of its size, but uh, I wouldn't. Those things are quick. I wouldn't cross the Rubicon with it. All right. You know, it's not something you want to take on super long road trips, but it's fun. It's fun around town, and they're pretty zippy. Mm-hmm. They're you, pretty zippy. You know how they used to do like, um, oh, what the fuck was it called? They do editions of cars. 
not as not specifically like um I mean with the Rams there's the Road King there's what else is there the oh are you talking the you have the the trim big the mountain or oh the bighorn the bighorn big edition. edition what are you talking about you're talking about like extra packages or it, the pack, like are you like, talking like about Jeeps, like the Sahara versus what? the Rubicon kind of thing oh okay so, yeah no no no, I no, mean, no. Yeah, okay yeah, that's the kind of what you're talking about no I'm talking about where it's like a sponsored edition. They used to be, oh, what is it called? It's like EB something, not EB Games, um, or it had an E in it. Eddie uh, Bauer. Eddie That's Bauer. What it was. Oh, there Eddie was an Bauer Eddie Bauer edition. edition. Oh, okay. Is yes, that what Eddie you're Bauer talking? was a. They did. <laughs> yeah, uh, for Fords. Mm-hmm. Yep, they did a lot. Like the, uh, they did a lot of expeditions. I think my friend had an Eddie okay, Bauer so edition. I don't know what made it better. Exactly. Are, are, okay. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, it's basically oh, okay. they get their name out there or like with a, a certain package. Or like yeah, a custom or a custom builder that does like an add-on and produces like something, 500 something of them or something like that. But what I'm thinking okay. is is with that whole kind of uh package setup. Yeah. How cool would it be if the uh the Mini Countrymen? Yeah. They had a Dollar Shave Club edition. A Dollar Shave Shout out to Dollar Shave Club. <laughs> a Dollar Shave Club edition with the Countryman? Yeah, everything's just hardwood and um, polished sterling. Oh, just sort of like manly? Oh, Dude. Yeah. Wait, Cooper? wait a sec. Yeah, and it's red interior. Wait a sec. It'd be, it'd be cool. It would be see, cool, but see, you're not you, Like an old parlor, parlor You mentioned Dollar yeah. Shave Club edition. Yeah. But I think that's because, have either of you heard of theartofmanliness.com? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Excellent. I think that that's what you... What you're shooting at is the art of manliness edition. True, true. Countryman, which I would I would put that in a um, Peterbilt. But for that to be a true, like man edition, mm-hmm. there'd be so many goddamn a- add-ons to that package. It'd be a new vehicle. Yeah, it w- you'd be pushing like forty five, fifty thousand dollars. Well, that's the point. Well, you're yeah. challenging men's manliness <laughs> and charging them money for it. <coughs> oh, oh, but but Joe, what about the economy? The the economy is in shambles and it, it's Dude, it's only just barely coming back. The economy will be spurred by more people buying fucking shit. That's the point. Money in circulation. Well, right. Saving money is uh, detrimental to the economy, and that's the fundamental paradox of this fucking world we live in. If you save money, your economy is taking a shit. True. If you spend money, you're going to be producing more. And that, Man, know, that's one of those things, like, in my economics classes that right. always kind of blew my mind. Like, yeah. He always talks about, like, you know, the, the weight scale, basically, of spending versus savings and okay. the negative and positive effects of both. And it, uh-huh. Like, where's the freaking balance? There's no balance. It's either up or down. Like, well, okay. You're talking to an economics guy. Be See, careful. This is <laughs> be careful. The hell, my point was this confused the hell out of me. All right, so I'm going to tell you right now. Uh, the first thing, everything you learned in micro and macroeconomics is complete and utter bullshit. Thank God. Because nothing is ceteris paribus. There's no one thing that changes without everything else making adjustments, uh, even though that's the easiest way to learn it. So the, so you can learn the individual mechanisms and kind of understand which direction the economy right. would be headed in. Right. But... The only reason they teach you Keynesian versus classical versus neoclassical economics Keynesian is, is the shit is because it's the only those are the only ones that are truly backed up with numbers. They're the only ones that have existed long enough that we can test them. Right. They're, the rest of them. Info on it. Yeah. Right. On it. There are hundreds of mm-hmm. schools of thought of economics that don't necessarily take in uh, into account numbers as much, uh, which it's but they they do 
more successfully explain mechanisms of the economy. There, there's no real one theory that I've come across yet that has entirely explained every mechanism of the economy because it's only existed for about a hundred years uh, in its in its form that we know it now. We've only had global trade for about a hundred years. Well, that's the problem because Maybe I think two. most people believe that economists they're in a a. Uh, like people that are going to school for economics, mm -hmm. they're in a set field. It's something well, they're in a trade almost. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. it's it's going to be super exact. It's going to be very heavy in sciences and math, and that it's going to be an exact science. It's not no. No. at all. It can't be. No, no. Um, and for those of you out there who are uh, interested in maybe pursuing uh, un the understanding of the economy a little bit better than what they would teach you in school, I would read. Uh, human action, sorry, securities analysis by Ben Graham, also the uh, the intelligent investor, which sort of gives you that intro, and that's the easiest one. That's also by Ben Graham, and then also, and then if you want the hardest thing, read uh, Human Action by uh, von Mises. Uh, that he's some sort of a Swedish dude, and he's crazy. There's also awesome. a very good TED talk that takes the the sociology part of it. Mm -hmm. It's not exactly the same thing. It's not based on economics. But it's this guy, he's doing a, it's a TEDx at USC on, um, oh, what is it, tribal management, mm -hmm. where it basically takes five stages of, ma of personal management. So stage one is life sucks. Uh -huh. That's usually like, those kind of tribes are gangs or people that are in jail or basically where there's not a whole lot of morality involved. Right. Number two is life sucks. So say you go to the DMV. You're around a bunch of people. You're in that tribe where you're just like, my life sucks. <laughs> I don't want to be here. Yeah. Number three is I'm great. My life is awesome, yeah. Well, no, uh, yeah, kind of. Yeah, it, yeah it's, uh, yeah. I, I'm awesome. Self-conscious. And you're not. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. It sounds like a joke, but... No, no, I get it. Three doctors walk into an elevator. One guy goes, Hey, did you see that paper that I that I got uh, just got published in the uh, Boston Medical Journal? He was like, No, congratulations, that's awesome. But uh, while you were doing your research, I was in the OR doing experimental procedures, and uh, I, uh, I probably did 50 successful surgeries. He's like, Wow, that's really cool. And then the third guy goes, Yeah? Well, I'm better than you. <laughs> <laughs> and then they pat each other on the back and walk out of the elevator. <laughs> Stage four is we're great. Where you're seeing most of this is where it actually gets into business is these new companies that are sprouting out. Like I watched this one video of um, it was just a walkthrough of Zappos. They're in California. Uh huh. It's uh, they. I think they did shoes. Yes, they, they did do shoes. Yeah. Yeah. They were doing shoes, and it was, it looked like an early day Google, where it was just crazy stuff around the cubicles, like, they were really motivated to make that next sale, because they were great, the lifestyle that they had was awesome, and they didn't want that to change. Right. And then stage five, oh, what was stage five? Oh, stage five is life is great. Where you get that real, that cerebral part of how, like, why something is beneficially good to your life. Right. 
Like, um, or or you know, just the act of existing is a miracle, and therefore I'm grateful for it. Yeah, like your Gandhi's, your your Martin Luther Kings, um, fucking Desmond Tutu in Af- in South Africa. The, the they Dalai had the Lama. Yeah, they uh, Desmond Tutu. He got a Nobel Prize for a conference that he did called uh, Truth and Reconciliation. Uh huh. All they did. On I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That makes me think of Halo. Yeah, it's very true. Very true. Understandable. We'll get there. Yes, we will. Um, But it was truth and reconciliation. It was that those two topics. It was all the tribal leaders of that area coming together Mm -hmm. and talking about truth and reconciliation. That's it. That's awesome. Core parts of what makes life great. That's super cool. And so when you take that concept of how those people fit together in those tribes whether they know it or not really goes back to that economy of if you change one thing it's going to change a whole bunch of other things there's not one thing that's going to change and everything else is going to remain stagnant very true because if you put an outward effect on the world there's going to be other reactions yeah exactly yeah yeah Yeah, well for every action there's an equal and opposite reaction Right, yeah, and each one of those is on a different level money. that would See, affect money versus social. Right, on the, on the on the economics part, that's the kind of thing that always confused me in school. Is they would always say like, "Well, we could try this." It was like, "Well, yeah, that'll exist, but this will fuck this thing up." Right, and it happens with everything. That's why all the theories I heard like in school, like I was always so confused in macroeconomics. Yeah, like, oh listening, yeah, because it was like none well, of these are solutions. They're all different ways all of fixing what, uh, one other thing, but right. then it screws up a whole bunch of right. other stuff. Which leads a lot of people to, leads a lot of people to think laissez-faire, you know, the, the moment that the economy started fucking up was because of government intervention. Absolutely. was because of Absolutely. somebody else intervening in the economy and, and, and fucking up the flow and, and uh, impeding it from recovering from a recession. Well, Excuse me. But. Excuse me. Okay. Some people don't believe that. That's exactly right. Some people believe in Reaganomics. I personally have a soft heart for Reaganomics a little bit. Uh Uh-huh. Because... You mean trickle-down economics? Exactly. It's the same thing. Okay. It's that government influence that's going to put that money in there. People in this world, they think in extremes. You're talking about money injections? Exactly. Right. Uh, for nobody's going to do that on the, the private gov- sector. But the government doesn't have any money. No, they have our money. Exactly. The government has money because of taxpayers. So it's really taxpayers are supporting the economy. Absolutely. Vi- either, either in either direction. Now I'm not. I don't personally believe this, but I can argue either side of it. Saying, <laughs> say, basically saying that. Um, y- y- if you take money out of the economy by heavy taxation and uh, try to inject it into the top to let it trickle down, well, who are you taxing the most? You're taxing the lower classes the most because the upper classes, they know how to hide their, t- their tax revenues or they, they know how to hide all their incoming money. They know how to uh, shelter all their money. They, they only have to pay, pay 15% on any gains made from um, the stock market and from investing. So, and whereas, where are you paying for, for taxes? Probably 30, 40, 50, 70%. So in France, Whatever it is, it's too damn in much. France, it's 75% now. Are you kidding that's me? That's fucking rude. That's rude. That's when you rude, take, that's when wrong. you, no, it's rude. When you take more than half, that's rude. <laughs> Taking her close to half, that's wrong. I, I fucking know that. But 
you know, I, what uh, we got to spend money to keep this beast running. See, this is my theory on it. I think, like, in the beginning with, you know, a little bit of government intervention, you know, they had the right idea, uh-huh. you know, trying to you know, make things a little bit better. But the problem was is they kept fucking with it. Okay. Like, they, they, they took this, they took a little bit, and they are like, okay, well, we can do this to fix this. And it was like, we're seeing some good here. Uh, there's some negative, but there's some positive, And uh, they just kept tweaking at it. It's, it's like it's like building a motorcycle. You have a motorcycle, so everything's uh-huh. wrong, so you fix it a little bit. And then you're like, oh, I can do this. And then you end up just... Fucking the whole... <laughs> all of a sudden, the engine is, like, twisted up and weird. It's like, well, shit. Now, now? now I need a new engine. Yeah, screw it. Throw it away. Let's get another one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the... But isn't that human nature? Absolutely. Isn't that the one more time syndrome that you get, even yep. with horses? You know, you you get a great move one time. We can't help ourselves. And then you're like, okay, one more, one more. You know, I want to end on a good note, maybe end on two good notes so it'd be even better. You know, it, it just doesn't work. See, it's, it's different, though, because on a horse, like something like that, the horse is learning. Like, it's well, something that you, you're progressing positively. Like, with, well, yeah, with I mean, it's like, you're, you're messing with some big shit. Oh, absolutely. Something that uh, uh, Xenophon, uh, the the Roman general, yeah. and also uh, uh, who was in uh, Philippe Carl and um, Aloha Podaisky, they all said that the horse can be used as a metaphor for life in many, many, many aspects, in, in almost at all aspects of training. And it also follows uh, this book. The it's called the Book of Five Rings. It's uh, about a it's a biography by a swordsman mm-hmm. who was uh, had killed over eighty people in duels. You know, in sword fighting duels in Japan. Okay. And he had a saying: Once you understand the way broadly, you can see it in all things. So I think that that's really what it is: is that once you understand the complete training of a horse, or once you understand how to build a car, or once you understand how to build a business, once you understand the way to success broadly, you can see it in all things. You can see the success that is possible in in other companies, or you can see it in in other athletes. Mm-hmm. You know, you you can see it all over. You can see opportunity everywhere once you've achieved success. I dig it. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> it's not, it's not, it's you got a little over my head at the end. First time is the rough, rough part. <laughs> um, so you reminded me with your doctor joke. Yes. Uh, my dad has some fucking. Uh, no worries. Uh, my dad has some fucking ridiculous uh, doctor stories that are like they'll blow your hair back. They're so funny. Uh, so I was thinking that. When we go to California, we should take all this shit with us and cast out there, too. Yeah, we should. And fucking bullshit with whoever we come across out there. I could have my dad, your dad. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, son. Dude, we could have a day. Your parents could come over for dinner at our house one day. Yeah, well, the only problem is... What, is it scheduled out? No, 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 no. Okay. It'd be you and me. Yeah. My dad, your dad. Uh Uh-huh. My mom and your mom would not jive. No? No. All right. I don't think that would work. Huh. That's, that's, we could do it. Right. But we'd have to know that going into it. And right. be we'd like, hey, mom. Do yeah, some misdirection. and Do some, do some dad talk, shop yeah. talk, and then silence. Yeah. Or something. Because I think, I think they're coming from the exact same point of, well, what makes you special? <laughs> that, but women are just like, they're designed to hate each other. Yes, it's a weird they are. thing. They are. I, I forget where I heard the joke. I'm sure it's like Dane Cook or something like that. But it's basically, guys, 
everybody knows the stereotype. They get into a fight, they deck each other in the face, and they're like, I'm, I'm sorry, dude, that was, that, was, that was too much, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Girls, like black ninja assassins, mm. like blow dart from 600 yards away, and mm. then just watching them die. Yeah, it's, it's true. It's that brutal. It's true. Over. It is. It is, it is really mean. I don't get it. <laughs> Speaking of women killing people. Uh-huh. Laura Croft. Ooh, I'm in. One of my... I'm in this. One of my mate. Well, maybe. Oh, yeah, just well, Laura Croft. All right, all right, fine. We'll get into it. <laughs> a little bit of Angelina Jolie. Uh, one of my favorite things about Laura Croft uh-huh. was the fact that she was of that English descent and had that proper English writing. Oh, that's true. That one scene where she's riding through a forest and, and she, she has the knives, the shotguns. Riding well. Oh, and she's riding very well. So yeah. This is this, this between you and me. You look at it and you're like, ah, she rides a horse so sexy. I'm like, damn, look at that booty shorts. <laughs> she's not in booty shorts. She's in uh, full. No, 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 no. Breaches. No, no. Those freaking, yeah, those shorts she wears, man. No, no, well, no. Well, I mean, most the of the time. Not most of the not time. On but the not, horse. But not on the horse. Not on the horse. Okay, I'm talking about in general. If, in general, I mean, yes, look at them booty shorts. If you've ever ridden in a barn, you'd know that uh, it doesn't feel good to wear that short of a short and ride. I would imagine so. It doesn't even you know feel that? good to wear straight up jeans with uh, uh, not like without a high top. Right. You will rub a hole in your calf. No, I know. Oh, I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't like, imagine I mean, what that would be like on the inner caps. thigh. I made this thing riding with Joe one time with tennis shoes on. I hate it. It sucked. <laughs> When was that? Was that out when we were moving cows? No, no you had no, boots on I had then. Boots that day. That was that would be that, that would have been suck. terrible. I would have been bleeding. Yeah, you would have. No, that would have been awful. It was just one day at your old place. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah you just got on and you're like, ah, oh, this is not comfy because yeah. it's like digging in your foot and shit. Yeah, yeah, no. it just hurt. Yep, you need them uh, strong soles. See, that's a funny. That's a funny thing about Western riding mm. is that the clothing seems just so more fucking practical. Well, see, that's the thing. Every piece of clothing you wear or every piece of tack you use in Western writing has a use and you can back it up with logic. Well, yeah, but like you he... think about jeans, jeans versus britches mm-hmm. or jodhpurs or whatever you fucking call them. Uh-huh. Jeans, you're going to go out every day. If you were in the English riding, you'd you switch like, into britches. You'd get to the barn, you'd ride, and then you'd be like, Okay, Mom, we're going home, right? No, I have to go to the store. We have to get our shopping done today. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, we didn't bring sweatpants or pants. jeans to switch into. And tights and cl- in the store, yeah. Right, and then you end up wearing some sort of clog or sandal, and you have the britches pulled up to your knee so that you have, like, the little uh, the looks, sand culotte kind of thing. Yeah, it looks like a capri, kind of. Yeah. Or yeah. culotte, I should say. A culotte. Right. Sans culotte is without the culottes. Right. <laughs> oh, I wanted to ask this question before. Yes. If you could pick any car for an everyday driver, but you were also a trained agent and had to use it as an agent car. What kind of agent? Like 007 kind of shit. Ooh. Baja Trophy Truck. It, yeah, but you have to That'd be, be cool. inconspicuous yeah, during the day. <laughs> You're an agent, secret agent. Right, you also need to pull that up in front of a club when you have to go do some undercover stuff. Now, can this, Baja this trophy like truck with a like Silverado the body? on the front? Or is, are we talking just like... Tone it down. Like like real kind of car. A little more real. <laughs> Baja trophy truck with a Silverado body. No! Jackson, yes. you're first. 
Yes. Oh, that's a good one. I like that. Yeah. That's hard to say. Um. Would you go straight utility? Would you go 4x4? Four four? Or would you go luxury that had that extra sport capability? Definitely. What are you thinking? That's a hard one, man. I know, you sell cars. Like, give me give me your snap judgment. My snap judgment? Oh, I can't think of one. Because I know you mine. Gotta give me, you gotta give me a second here. Alright, let's hear yours. G-Wagon. Yeah? Mercedes G-Wagon. In a I, heartbeat. I go with the new Land Rover. The Evoke? The, the okay, yeah, whatever, whichever yeah, one. Yeah, the I one like that. Run a tank. We're, we're basically in the same ballpark. Yeah. yeah. What do you think? Oh, man. So we're talking for everyday use. Yes. Like in a normal life. Everyday drive. And then also can be used as an agent car. Yes. What are you thinking? You got those pursed lips looking all sexy and whatnot. Yeah. <laughs> oh, is that Think, helping you figure out a car? Come on, let's go. Calm down, boys. Calm down. Thinking about stuff and things. Things and stuff. I, I do like... And this is a little bit blasphemy since I'm doom, 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 doom. Now, I don't know. That. This, is, this is my starting point. It's my starting point. Mm -hmm. The newer Ford Explorer is kind of Ford Explorer. It's a good one. That's in inconspicuous. Right. It's, cons it's conspicuous. It's still pretty luxury. So I mean, you kind of got still got the uh, the uh, secret agent uh, suaveness going on a little bit there. I'm surprised you didn't go all GMC sexy with the blacked out SUV. Yeah, that would have been cool. Okay, this is this is where you're like now. I like this idea. This is this is more for this is more imagined instead of secret agent kind of thing. This is what I imagine is less of the secret agent kind of thing. This is more of the uh, black ops. You know, the seats where you see those black SUVs pull up somewhere and a bunch of guys jump out with guns and everything like that. Right. Yeah. The new 2015 Yukons oh. are freaking brutal. Really? Yeah. They're mean. See, you only sell GMCs over there. Um, we sell GMC and Buick new. Oh, okay. Right. Gotcha. No, I, I'm, I'm literally not trying to sell this right now. This no, seems, no, 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 I know. cool. Like, a, and you know what a Yukon looks like? Yes, yeah. Yeah, the, the, the four-door, you know, right. short body. Yeah, yeah. Like, you see it, like, have you ever seen, like, burn nose or anything like that? Uh -huh. You see, like, the, the guys throw up, and there's guys hanging out the side with machine guns and shit, and uh, basically going into, oh, thank you, going into screw shit up. Uh-huh. Imagine that, and then just make it just look monstrous, like not so huge, born like, identity and then awesome. Yeah, brutal. It, it's pretty neat. It's pretty. That's cool. awesome. What did you pick a pacer or no? The, the new 2015 uh, Yukon. The new Yukon. Okay. The thing is, the thing is dirty. It's, See, it's, I, I it's just mean looking. Or I would go with a Ford Raptor because I just want some locking hubs. Ford, Ford Raptors know? are awesome. I do like those. Which is you can get with the Land Rover. You get locking hubs. My second choice would probably be one of those, uh, I don't know, they came out probably like two or three years ago, the, uh, they had that campaign for the, the new Jaguar sports cars, mm. but they were small and almost a little more compact. Yeah. They kind of looked like a, uh, oh, what was it? It looked like a, a compact version of the, uh, the Maserati from that one Top Gear. Where they did, they had the Quadraforte in it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they had, I think they had a DBRS. Yeah, I think I think you're right. And then the Maserati was called something, but it was just yeah. black and pretty and long and sleek and the lines. Sexy. And it had the little grill things on the air vents on the side that just made you go, 
that's Italy for you. It's true. Makes me think. Yes. One car that would be great secret agent wise. No, it's not really practical. It's a sports car. No. No? I, I'm saying no now. Okay. But go ahead. Now, the thing is, it's Audi. Now, I'm Audis blank- are beautiful. I'm blanking out on the actual model. The one with the W12? The A10? Engine. Because the A10 is the one with the overpowered engine, right? The A4 is awesome too. It's got the A4. You know, yeah, it's, it's like a, it's convertible. I mean, it's okay. I have something near it's and dear okay. to my heart for a V6. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I guess yeah. My second choice. Maybe a secret agent though. It's got MV8. My no, it doesn't. Yeah, it, it does. absolutely does not. Man, what if you get a car chase? The original James Bond DDS. Yeah, yeah but that was in the fifties. Right. Fair enough, but that car still kicks ass today. Well, yeah, it's still cool, but it doesn't. It like, and it's well, a. Sh- if it's gonna be a V six, it's gotta be a big. It's V6. an inline V six. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Inline we'll, we'll six. Kind of inline six. Uh, it's probably like a three two, something like that. Yeah. It's not that big. Yeah, it's pretty it damn small. It wouldn't. Be right, it's like a small block. Like the uh, the Camaro I sold today. Yeah. Right on the road. Um, was a six point two liter V eight. That thing screamed. Okay, leaderage doesn't really matter if you're not putting it down to the ground. Well, I'm talking about putting it down to the ground. Okay. I'm talking about car chase. Let's hear it. Foot pounds of torque. What do you got? On which one? The Camaro. On the Camaro? Yeah. That thing's got just about 400 horsepower. 400 horse. The torque? I don't know. It depends on the RPMs. I think it was like... Gotta be putting out like... That's so, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's exceedingly high. No, it's like uh, a. I, like, I don't know. I, I don't know. I have no idea what it is on that one. Just look it up. Look, look it up on the six, the six two. Uh, you're talking 2013, 2014. Um, either one. Or 2011, the one that he sold. Okay. Yeah, you can look at the exact one I sold. I'll go with 2013 because it's here. I like those ones. Um, no, I don't want the V6. Where's the Badass shit. Okay, so what are we talking about? You're talking about an LT, an SS, or SS. SS. SS? Convertible or coupe? Doesn't matter. It does. Coupe. Coupe. Okay. Uh, you're getting 16 to 24 miles a gallon. 6.2 liter V8. Yep. You need to use premium in it, which is an important note. And then it's got uh, 426 horsepower at 98, uh, 5,900 RPM and 420 foot-pounds of torque at 4,600. 420 pounds of torque. That's what okay, so I was thinking. That's right what I thought. 4,600 RPM. Yeah. See, that's interesting. The torque and the pretty, horsepower kick in power. pretty high. Yeah. So you have to get it up there. You wouldn't want... You to put the metal down. You wouldn't want to run a turbo on this engine because no. you get a hella lag. Yeah, you don't need it. It's it's a waste. Well, no, there's a couple of Corvettes that they do have a turbo in. Well, Corvettes, yeah. Are you talking Camaro, you mean? Camaro. Yeah, they have a Camaro with a... I thought they had a Camaro with a turbo in it. Pretty sure. I don't know. Well, you'd have to... If well, they, you're going to do was anything to Camaro, you'd supercharge it. Yeah, you'd uh-huh. supercharge it. Now, do you want to know what the ZL1 Camaro is? What? Is that basically like... The Corvette version? Isn't that it, the new one? It's uh, the, thing on? the top line. Yeah, they have. It's a uh, ah supercharged. There you 6. go. Six point two liter yeah. V eight. Uh, you need to use premium again, which is very important. So you get a range of three hundred and four miles, and then five hundred eighty horsepower at six thousand RPM and five hundred and fifty six 
foot pounds of torque Damn. at 4,200 RPM. Have you guys ever seen the video of the new Still kicks Camaro, the white one that they take around the track? It's, it's built for the track. Like, it's literally impractical. What track? I can't remember. Is it like a high-speed oval where they're so. trying to max it out? Yeah. And or is it's it the Nürburgring? Camaro? No, it's not Nürburgring. So. Are you sure? It's Chevy. They're not going to go the... They're not going to go Nürburgring. Corvette made yeah. a great time on the Nürburgring. Well, that's also a Corvette. Truth, that has because so much lineage behind it so that it almost passed the go on to the Nürburgring. Well, yeah. But they, they put down a great time. They, the Camaro is straight gamer. muscle. They're not going to put that on a track. Oh, fuck yeah, they would. No, they wouldn't. Would be the new ones, the new no, ones they'd be embarrassed. Sport. No, no. Have you not seen this new one? If, if, they're, in the, they, if, they, they're, in the right, would, if no. they're in the right weight class, they're fine. I just think it'd be tough because I think that 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 back end would just get so fucking light through those corners. Absolutely, but as long as they could score a better time than the Challenger or the Charger, they'd be good. Oh, absolutely, yeah. They they because they're not competing with the BMW M3 right. or the M5 or you know or whatever you want. Even a fucking 325i would beat beat that around the track. The Camaro? Yeah. Absolutely. No. I don't yep. think so. No. You know, the, they Absolutely did a test not. where, it, oh, that was on Top Gear, actually. Maybe a regular were, one, not, a, not a, like a 2SS, not the new 2SS that was made for the track. No, I'm talking about like a 98 325i. Like the I don't know. 98? The, yeah. Those M3s are kind of like Versus what? Versus the man. 98 Camaro? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, no, no, no. Versus an Al Camaro on that track. One lap, cold lap, same driver. I think that that 325i would be way better than the Camaro. Because you'd either be babying that Camaro... About, are you talking about the, Camaro, like the, the track Camaro, or are you talking about like a, a regular like 1SS, 2SS Camaro? I'm talking about the SS Camaro, yeah. I'm not talking about the track version. Okay. On track... Because the track version is a track know, version. Man. It's I not a production I think it, I series. Think it'd be a good race. I think it'll be a good contest. I don't think it's going to be as far off as you think it's going to be. Well, well, there's the difference. It's like uh, the fucking uh, Fiesta that Ken Block drives around. That thing's cool. Right. That's not a standard Fiesta. No, not at all. That's a right. track-ready Fiesta. Right. That's a drift-ready Fiesta. Right. I'm not talking about... The track. No, I know. I'm saying... Track editions. I'm saying... I'm saying... I'm talking stock. I'm, st I'm saying still, even with the SS Camaro, that's not going to be a huge difference. I mean, sure, it, it, it might do better than that, than the Camaro, but it's not going to be a lot. Well, there's also, also the thing about American cars. They don't corner. True. And I doubt that Camaro would corner. No, they're, I mean, they're it's a built... a long body. They're built to go light to light. What, what are the specs on the Camaro for length? Camaro for length? Yeah. Uh... That's they're actually they're actually not that long. They are very long. The front end is. I guarantee you they're like 16, 17 feet. Um overall length in inches 190.4. 190 divided by 12, that's eight. Uh right around I'm gonna do this on the 17 feet. Uh, it's like 16.8. How, how many inches was it again? 192. 15.8 feet. 15.8 feet? 8.3 repeating, but... Yeah, 16 feet. Yeah. Okay, all right. That's a long car. Mostly front end. He's got a long-ass yeah. front end. Exactly. <laughs> so all that weight's on the front end. So it's going to pivot 
way forward of the driving experience. Right. Well, it's, right. al- it's track, also, yeah. I okay. mean, okay. it's, it's right. also got it's also got a bunch of backseat too, and a pretty big trunk. It does. It does. It uh, Eno- enough to add length. If it was a coupe, well, it wouldn't. Yeah. That that cab is very spacious. Yeah. Well, that's the point. You know, it's supposed to be a luxury experience these days because. They're selling these muscle cars for the guys who couldn't afford them back in the 70s when they were kids and thought they were freaking awesome. And they wanted a little creature comforts now that they're retired or in their midlife crisis. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry for the honesty out there, everyone. Well, we're talking about putting power down. And we are an equine-based podcast. So let's talk about how you carry pace when you're riding. How you carry pace? Carry pace. Okay. Joe, uh, bring us in on it. Well, what do you mean? You mean carrying pace in terms of like feeling the motion of the horse and then learning to augment? I'm talking uh, about moment, momentum straight from your leg to the horse. Okay. To forwards. Well, when I'm all right, when I'm going forward, I like to have my legs off and my hands doing nothing to do a circle. You know, I just like to. That to be my neutral. So um, when I when I want to pick up speed, I put a little leg on till I get to the point I like, and then I take leg off, and I just sit there and go into neutral again. Or when I want to bring down speed, I sort of put a halt, a half halt in my core, and just sort of uh, um, let them work against that pushback, that against that slowing of momentum through your seat. Which means you're engaging. The hindquarters? Exactly. <laughs> That's what I was looking for. It's the same thing with cars and horses. Uh-huh. You're looking to engage the hind end and have that settle, that stability, which is going to come from, in a car, that, that body rock that's going to change that weight onto the back wheels. Yeah. As opposed to with a horse, you don't really have that straight mechanism of loading that hind end. Not it's not so easy. Well, because you have to manage your your leg, which is giving them that fo- forward cue. Uh-huh. You have to manage their head, which controls direction and the compression of all that built up power. Uh huh. And then that hind end is the direct outlet of that. So it's a bunch of different steps to get that to be applied correctly. Right. Sure. At the same time, you don't want to compress so much that you look like going on a mountaintop. Right, because then a horse ends up starting to... They just get stuck and will start hopping up. Yeah, they get... Same thing with a car. Like a, or like a cat. That... So I feel I feel like I'm not understanding this horse mm. quite so well. Because okay. what, I'm getting, what I'm getting is we're talking about stopping or slowing down? We're talking about Moving tra- forward. traveling. Okay so, okay, so when you move forward... But I thought when you move forward, you don't want to be putting weight on the back of a horse. Well... Mm. If I asked you what wheel drive is a horse? Wheel drive? Yeah, what wheel drive? Two wheel, four wheel, rear front. Well, it's different with a horse because I mean, obviously. Well, absolutely, it's yeah. not a car. I, I guess I would say rear. I mean, you got a lot of. Lot so of you'd say two wheel rear. rear. Yeah. I would say that it's four, and has a differential that loads it more to the hind end. Um, I would say that it, uh, in a natural state, it would be a four-wheel drive, uh, a horse would be a four-wheel drive creature with a propensity to put, to load more on the front and drag the back. Really? Um, yeah. And, and then, uh, once, 
at, oh, once at, uh, the natural once the impulsion is added is when the the rear rear end starts driving more once exactly. the okay, once see, the gas I was, is pressed. I was thinking like going from like a dead stop and more slow. All of a sudden, like, yeah, and you're going to do a sprint like that. You get a ton right. of power from the back. Like, that's what I was thinking. Right, like, yeah. Then you'd get a you'd status. get a lift. Yeah, yeah exactly. And a, and a leap. Right. right, right. I mean, Joe showed you videos of uh, of uh, raining patterns, correct? Yeah. When they come out of that corner to go into their setup for the slide, they're coming down that quarter line, center line, whatever. Mm. When they come out of that corner, they're not building out of the corner. They come out of that corner, set their horse square to that ring to follow their line. Mm -hmm. And then when you see that horse start to go, what happens to that top line? The, the, when you the see a really horse. full galloping out horse, how does that look different from a horse that's just trotting along nicely? I don't know, more strained? Like it's got torque behind it, I guess. Exactly, there's yeah. torque. Yeah. There's one tendon that goes from the pole all the way to the dock on a horse. Right. Yeah, you told it's me about this before. I remember this. Basically, a giant leaf spring. Well, actually, in size, it's probably about the same length. It's, it's a leaf spring. Yeah, it's a leaf spring. And so when you put that that leverage on it and push that hind end down you're taking all the force that the horse is putting mm -hmm. forwards yeah. and maximizing it okay okay but you really can't push the hind end down it's more like driving like getting the hind end to push itself while you block it in front to cause the bow so you basically we, we talk you about drive you're drive well no, no you, just when you're even when you're traveling you just drive the mm -hmm. horse into the bit and that creates a loading of that of that leaf spring. And when you want to stop or when you want to turn, well, when you want to turn, you just augment the balance on the top. You're, you're basically at the top of the bow of that leaf spring. Okay. And you just augment where your balance is placed for direction. Okay? Yes, I remember this. But when you're, but when you're ready to stop, you keep that bow and then you quit driving and that hind end will quit. And then you release. Okay. Okay, that makes more sense. Yeah. Now, see, I'm not very knowledgeable on this stuff, so uh -huh. I'm very naive at it. Yeah, sure. But it, it makes sense in a little ways. Yeah, it's, it's still it's, not quite 100% getting it, but I get it. It's, the, I get it's the a very com. It, it is something it complex. complex. Yeah, yeah. It it's complex. something that you it's, understand more and more through feel. It's the okay. physiology side of it that you have to reach to really understand what your aids are actually doing. Right. So, what I'm going to show you here is hopefully. A slow motion cap of a horse taking off for what I'm gonna guess is a four six jump. So look how the horse comes up and then springs under himself. And then when he goes to land, comes under and compresses and drives forwards. Oh, okay, yeah. You see what I mean? Yeah, I do. Right, so it's it's that pretty much for you, those of you out there wanting the same experience. Just watch any slow-mo video of a horse jumping. Yeah, this one's titled uh, London 2012 Jumping Horses. Actually, uh, it's a really good video. It's uh, probably like 4,000 frames a second. It Some is really, that it's is, nice and slow. Yeah, so you really get to see the physiology of the takeoff and landing on all the jumps. We can really only perceive up to 120 frames a second, but when we slow it down, it's really useful. Right, and that's the, the cool thing about um, the similarities between uh, reining and jumping. Mm -hmm. 
is that control of the front end. So you watch. This horse is going to lift up with his chest, and then it plants with its back feet, and it almost pivots over the jump. It yeah, doesn't it does. leap forward. It pushes its back end up, and with that lift that it already has with the front end, it'll clear the jump. Yeah. It's a balance of a couple That's different really vectors. Neat. Yeah. That's really actually pretty cool. And with a spin, right, it's almost it's the same thing. It's the thing. I never would have thought about this stuff. I would have watched this video. I never would have thought about this kind of stuff. I would have been like, oh, cool, it's a horse jumping. But now, like, thinking of it, like, going through and, like, actually, like, picking it apart a little bit, it's, it's extremely interesting. Yeah, 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 yeah. What, once you learn to break it down, it becomes easier yeah. to, to see. It makes it better, like, easier to understand yeah. kind of how the horse moves. Absolutely. Right, I'm sure there's people out there in the horse industry that'll go out every day and they will treat their horse as almost a magical creature. They know what works. They do this, this, and this, and it does this. But they don't know why it works. Right, and they don't realize that a horse is basically a giant muscle. Well, it's a series of muscles. Yeah, but it... it th their body mass is mainly muscle. Right. For what... Well, at least for competition horses. Right, 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 right. Like, even with, uh, with track horses... They're built so that they have, or even bred, that their uh, their bone density is fractionally less than the national average, and that their muscle content is higher. Right. That way, they can just push more. They got more power and less weight. Right. It's straight up physics. Less weight in the chassis, more power in the engine. <laughs> right. Now I have to ask because watching this video, I'm realizing all these jumps oh. yeah. are um, extremely decorative. Yeah. Yes. Um. What a waste of time. No, it scares the that. shit out of the horses. What? It scares the shit out of the horses. There's like flowers and like little mini buildings and shit. Like it's, how, why? Why, why, what, why would it, we want to scare the horses? To make it difficult. Mm. Yeah. And it also, uh, also on those higher levels, a lot of those jumps are sponsored. Okay. Like there are seriously like Budweiser, there's a, oh, back in the day, it was a, the Budweiser Las Vegas uh, finals. And... They had two giant Budweiser bottles that were the stands of the jump, hmm. and they jumped in between the bottles. <laughs> I've seen a SeaWorld jump where it's two fucking orcas jumping out to the outside with a jump in the middle. It's crazy. All right, all right. Like, there's natural versions of that kind of thing where they're not going to... Um, do that little decoration because naturally the jump is that fucking scary to begin with. Like Poussin's walls? Exactly. They're, Poussin's walls are always brick. They're yeah. always brown, gray, or tan. That's about it. <laughs> because they're huge. Let's see if this will show me a little bit. I'm looking for a Devil's Dyke. Devil's Dyke is a really cool uh, kind of jump where the ground actually changes levels as you jump. Oh yeah. So it's gonna be jump in into a downhill. Mm. Then you jump over the crux of the downhill, you go uphill, jump over that, and land. Mm. And I, that's not gonna show me. I would think that you probably see a bunch of that in like cross country courses and things like that. You do? You also see them in uh, in derbies. Oh, in, okay. Uh, like Hunter derbies. Okay. Uh, they're not gonna show me, but you got, you got the picture. Yeah, I get, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's all about 
adding that extra little bit of difficulty. Yeah. Because um, there's only so much that you can do legally mm. uh, to make the jump difficult. Like, there's a whole bunch of rules. Like, you can't jump a jump where... Or you can't have a jump in a show where the top rail is higher than the bottom than the back rail for a wide uh an oxer style jump mm. that would be an offset oxer in the wrong direction which is illegal okay you also can't put an a cross rail into a show jumping competition because it's dangerous if the horse does clip a rail it, yeah if it catches that loose. close rail that means that it's going to immediately leverage against that back rail, which is also sitting in the ground, and it's just going to be be like a brick wall. It's not it going to release. It won't, yeah, it won't fall apart. Right, right. So there's a lot of stuff that they do on top of those jumps to make them very gaudy and extravagant to make it seem like it's a much bigger and scarier jump than it is. Right. That makes sense. Like, like mini golf. Yeah. Right. Okay. Almost yep. exactly like mini golf. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, you could have just a regular like. You could have it's a, a thirty-foot putt, but it sucks, right? And it changes levels and whatnot. But then you could also make it uh, pinch at one point, and you have to go through one of those loop-de-loops or go through a fucking windmill. Right. It's like the difference between a you know, or I guess the same difficulty. You make it like either a par four or a thirty-foot putt with a windmill in the middle. Right. It's not inherently difficult. It just makes it. It, right, it adds right exactly. It adds there, intimidation. And you know you have to time you have to time it in between the windmill blades. Right. Too. It, it's it's shown, of course. <laughs> well, yeah, there's and a little bit of that. I mean, because I mean, some of those right. pretty intricate jumps. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think the showmanship uh, comes in more sometimes in like those speed competitions. The showmanship comes in on the part of the show creator. Whereas, you know, a lot of the times with the judged events in horse competitions, the showmanship comes in on the part of the rider. Right, right. Um, you see a lot of guys doing tricks or, you know, random stuff like that. Yeah, one of the one of the craziest looking courses I've ever seen was probably in uh, the Sydney Olympics. Yeah. They went crazy with their colors, so everything was just purple and orange and wavy and made to look really really weird so like there's that jump that's a uh, and this video is entitled olympic arena super junior final show jumping yeah this isn't it but okay they they'd have rails that would like actually they would be called gates where they're um the same thing as a rail except they're about this thick probably about a foot thick right and on the ends they just have little arms that sit into the cups okay but it would be cut so that it was wavy so that the middle would be almost at a at an angle so you'd be jump depending on where you jump the jump right. would make it harder or difficult more difficult depending on how the course is okay right so if you flip that rail around you could make a turn almost impossible for the jump off Interesting. Right. That makes sense. Well, that's probably my favorite thing about show jumping. Like, if I if I was ever going to hard fast set myself into uh, the show jumping world, right? I definitely want to be a course designer. Yeah. Because the physics of how like what kind of jump you have and where how it's oriented, whether it's an inch. 
further or back on one side changes the whole time allowed for the course. Yeah, it's true. It makes a lot of sense. Man. Course, so I, I mad respect for courses, any course designers out yeah, there. Yeah, that's true. Well, at least the good ones. Well, yeah. I mean, there's not really any bad ones. Yeah. You'll have people that come into a show and be like, oh, this course designer's a piece of shit. That's a horrible turnout. I would never put that in a show. Right, sure. But that's just because they're pissed off because they have to do it. Exactly. The brass tacks of it are. That's how it's going to be. Unless you're a really big name and you go up and have those cajones to be like, this is not okay. Yeah. You're going to yeah. have to do it anyway. Exactly. Yeah. That's pretty cool. That's like if they decided to ha have a uh, an NFR in a uh, a 60 by 100 arena. That would be terrible. It, it's the same thing. Yeah. You'd have to do it. You would have to do it, but it would probably be dangerous as fuck. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, it, it's kind of like how they keep doing the Pendleton Rodeo in Oregon on grass. Yeah. You know, uh, they just won't change it. And I think it's cool. And anybody who doesn't want to play on grass should probably just not go to that rodeo. <laughs> I really don't understand the people that don't like riding on grass anymore. Because there was this big kick for a while where everybody was like, it's not safe. It, yeah. It's not okay. The, the ground just doesn't hold up for the entire time. Yeah. Well, I think it's more so like you get a lot more slide out of a cow, out of a, a, a calf roping horse when they're stopping in the grass, or you get it's you get a lot a lot less friction if you're trying to do like bulldogging or something. Yeah. Right. You know, you could real easy turn an ankle or something like that. It's a little more slippery. Yeah, but what was this? Well, they yeah, even I put know. in. Uh, I mean, for at least the the jumping side of it. We'll put studs into a horse's shoe. Like, the shoe will come with holes that are actually threaded. Right. So that we can put it, basically give them a pair of spikes to wear. Cleats. Yeah, cleats. Horse cleats. Yeah, exactly. Like yep, that. yep, they do that. Uh, and in reining horses sliders. like this, they put on sliders. They make it more slippery in back so that you get a bigger... So right here, you can see right as he enters, he's got this nice bend in his top line, but he lets the horse get his self into a natural position with the pull on the highest point when he's actually going for the run in the stop. This is the FBI World Reigning Final by Tom Mutchian. M uh, McCutcheon. McCutcheon. Um, and, uh, what did you say? Uh, McCutcheon. <laughs> Something. Um, so, all right, so that was the I start. I, I thought, nah. Uh, the, and he comes in with a slide stop, and then, he, and then he backs up, and this is the really the beginning of it, as he goes into the turn. In those first couple turnarounds, not too bad. Now watch the next time when he when he enters these turns. Watch the horse's feet and how he thinks about moving. He takes a long rest here. I think this horse is probably a little hot. Doesn't want him to get out of shape. But you see how this horse's feet come underneath himself mm -hmm. to an unstable point of balance. And he's able to turn faster around himself because of it. So he shuts him down right here. Um, about a quarter turn past where he started so that he can start off on his first run round. And uh, this horse is actually pretty good looking. He, obviously, he's a good rider to be in the World Reigning Finals. I, I've heard his name before. I mean, it's FEI, so well, right. it's super respectable. Right. 
So right here, he probably got a minus half a point there because he took too many steps out. You really want to depart on your depart to the canner, the big fast canner uh, in this pattern on your first step, um, but they'll allow up to two. He's running pretty far out here, but even though you know everybody thinks of reining horses as having these big bowed reins, you see how short his reins actually are, and he's just keeping his hand really low. Do you think that ever comes from the fact that they usually use leverage bits and that just adds a little bit of curve to the rein to begin with? Um, yeah, I think so. I think that's a big part it of it. It just gets cartoonized. It does. It, also, when you have a really, really good horse and you can do it off a bowed rein, it looks beautiful. But most horses just can't do that especially because of all this cramming and jamming you do. You know, if you have a horse in the business 12 years, he can do it, but not when he's, you know, three or four years old. Right. So right here, you see again, he's got that beautiful bend in the top line and this horse is loading in the back. I think he was preparing right there for his lead change, which is kind of, it's a one stride, it's faster than the eye can see. But see, he's, he's an interesting rider. He sits on the outside of his horse to make those turns. And then you see that? Oh, nice stop. Yeah, let's go back there. No, no, no. We'll go down to the next okay. to the next rundown. Watch as he comes out of the corner. So yeah, exactly. So he's gonna he's right here. He's checking him up. A lot of people like to come pretty fast through that corner, but it just doesn't let you collect enough. To um, so right here, then he picks up the speed for about a quarter way down the arena and shuts it down. He's looking for some fresh dirt. Um, a one complaint I do have with the reigning world is that they don't do rollbacks at all. Um, right there, that horse stepped way out of his track. Um, I would call that a minus maneuver, but they don't. Right here, stop again. That's his third rundown. Right, I want to show you something real quick. And so he's done. When he goes back and goes into this next uh, lead up to the stop, Watch, his leg will actually come back into the correct position. Yeah. You'll see it right there. Puts his leg, yep, in, and then we'll... It's just a little bit back, and then yep. lets it go. Right. Doesn't... He never really... I mean, he does sit a little bit more in the rider's groove because... Yeah, he does. Um, because modern reining and cutting saddles are designed to do that nowadays. Yeah. Um, but only kind of because the stirrup is still in the wrong spot i would think with a, a a bigger guy like that it would also help you orient yourself more over top of yourself because you have to worry about that that leverage that you have since you do have uh like a heavier top end yeah you can't stop with your body that's the biggest problem most people have. no but you can balance with it right the, you want to balance well you want to sit as quietly as possible in the center of the horse and then you want to um, really balance the horse off of your hands so you know you have you have that slack in the rein and you give and then check back with it and people people only see the give though so they think it's a give and a stop yeah it's really a whoa and then check 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 yeah speaking of that check 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 what do you have coming in the mail in about a week uh, oh, I got a, uh, fa a phallus uh, saddlery uh, balanced ride saddle coming coming along. It'll be finished probably at the end of this week and should be coming on pretty quick, pretty soon. I cannot wait. I mean, if you'll let me. Yeah. To swing swing a foot over that oh, saddle. Oh fuck yeah! 
Because that'll be fun. I'm excited to see how it turns out what for is, sure. What is these kind of saddle? So this saddle is um, it's a Western stock saddle that was redesigned originally by Monty Foreman in the 1940s and 50s. Uh-huh. Um, and the changes that they made is that they took the saddle seat and moved it from um, a backward pocket position, and they move they they flatten the seat out. Okay. Uh, so that you can move anywhere you want on the top, on the back of the horse. And they also moved the stirrups about 46 inches forward so that you can actually get your legs into the rider's groove of the horse. Huh. And um, that adds a lot of stability. You, you don't have any more air gap in between your knee and the horse, mm-hmm. which is a big problem with Western saddles is when you stick your legs straight out, you know, the only parts that's going to be really touching your horse is your butt and maybe a middle part of your thigh a little bit. Okay, yeah. It's almost taking it from that, uh, that chopper style of riding into right. more of a... Straight up and down. That early model British Leyland kind of thing where it's just that straight seat and you're really going to be over top of yourself and more wary of where your balance is exactly exactly so and those are the the like the big modifications to the saddle as opposed to any other saddle right um and and then you know i'm hoping it'll be pretty good looking when i get it so i'll probably post some pictures of it on the website when we yeah definitely when i, I kind of see it, it see what heck the, yeah dude I, i'm excited to what I show people about. yeah heck yeah, yeah man um, I can actually show you a picture of what I'm thinking her. Yeah, I'll get a... I mean, you've seen my English saddle, right? Yeah, I have. The, you see how... I mean, and you've obviously seen a stereotypical Western saddle. Mm-hmm. You look at the back end of the seat. Because I, I found that when you were talking to somebody that isn't really... up to date with how saddles look yeah they'll immediately look at the body of the saddle or the front of the saddle and they won't look on this line right and that line is the most important because that's where your seat bone is going to be where the back cinch is basically that's that's almost where your contact is supposed to be right and see your leg will drape from the seat down the stirrup, wherever that may be. And in this saddle, it's right where the horse's shoulders attach to their torso, attach to their belly. Right. As opposed to most saddles, you're sitting straddling their belly, mm-hmm. which sort of bumps your legs out further. Okay, yeah. Makes you more like you're sitting on a barrel as opposed to you're sitting on, like, um, a bicycle. Okay, right. okay, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Right, you don't usually ride a bike with perfect posture, do you? No. Because it's easier. Mm. Okay. This is a perfect example. If you want to go faster on a bike, how do you do it? Stand up. You stand up. Mm-hmm. Well, you put more weight in the, into the put pedals and all that. Right. But but if you would want to, if you were like traveling mm-hmm. real fast, you would sort of push your, put your torso forward, yeah, right? Yeah, 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 and and you'd forward. sort of lean forward a little bit into it and put all that weight on over the front wheel. Right which allows you that forward momentum. It's kind of like you're falling forward the whole time. Right. Would you want it to stop? Would you lean forward and grab the front brake on, on the, uh, the front no. wheel brake? You will flip. No, so what would you do? What's up, bloody endo? You'd sit up straight, mm-hmm. and you'd ease onto the back brake, and maybe ease onto the front brake after that, or something yep. like that, right? Yep. It's the exact same way with riding. If you want to go a little faster, you lean a little more forward, put your weight over their center of gravity. That makes when you want to slow sense. down, you sit up straight, and eventually they associate you sitting up and onto your seat bones 
with them pushing their back legs downward and loading a little bit to help help them slow down. You're bringing their center of gravity backwards. I like it. That makes sense. Because in terms That's of a that, good metaphor. <laughs> yeah, like in it. terms of that stop. Thank you, Philippe Carl. <laughs> what do you need to stop a force? To stop a force? Any force. What do any, you need? Any momentum force? Any momentum force. Or forward motion kind of thing? Um, what do you need to stop it? Very basic. Friction okay. or an oppositionary force? Another force. Well, yeah. Okay. All right. And so, another force that could be construed as power, right? Not if you're trying to stop, you don't want power. You could well, power you break, in the opposite direction. Breaking okay, power. Yes, okay. That, okay. That makes sense. Okay. Away. And so when uh they're going into that slide stop, it's not like they're just lifting up their back legs and saying, Oh, I'm just gonna drag my back end through it. Right. No, they're putting they're torquing that back end, preloading their hind end so that they can have that power to keep that low position and that core power in a horse which is weird to talk about because we always think about our core as the middle right it's not really the back end mm, yeah oh, that's true human source that's true yeah 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 but the more concise and stable power that you have in that back end mm-hmm. you're gonna get that really nice stop right because you're gonna be able to maintain it and you're gonna be able to stop it whenever you want okay you're like gonna if you, a, uh, 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 you're gonna open a, a line of communication basically with the horse. If you're going 100 miles an hour in a car, and you slam on the brakes, and only one side of your back tires fully breaks, and the other starts to like go, what happens? You spin out. Yeah, you spin. So if you don't have or that least, consistent, or at least you fishtail a little bit. Right. If you don't have that consistent power and that straight power, that's where that straight line yeah. is very, very important, and we'll get into that on another cast. Oh yeah. I'm sure we've talked about it a little bit before. We'll talk about the straight line till we die. Oh yeah. But with that straight line, it's going to give you even power on both sides, and you're going to get that. When you have power, you you get results. Right. You have to give the horse a chance to have some sort of mechanism to do what they naturally do. That's freaking beautiful, by the way. Oh, now we're just saddle if you, shopping if now. If you go to John Fallis' website, you'll see, and go to the full stamp saddles, you'll see some beautiful shit. Look at the conchos on that stirrup. That's, that is a good touch. That's a cool detail. That's a nice touch. Especially with the big conchos on the rear skirt. And the uh, green felt for a background. Who could have green well, felt? felt? There's green felt. Yeah. yeah. That's neat. Who like the heck? That's amazing. That's going to be an It's almost like a dressage rider got a hold of it. <laughs> yeah, right? Well, I mean, the, you know, or Mexicans. <laughs> that one. I like that, that one. Canadi- the Canadian stamp, yeah. the, the, or the uh, maple leaf stamping. That's See, I, beautiful. I almost like this one better. This one here? Yeah. What is that? That's the uh, uh, Colorado Col- Columbine. I love that s- style of stamping. That's cool. I really do. Cool. Um, so with that note, I do love leather carving. Anyway, you kids better get out there. Go find a saddle or a saddle pad, or or a, a sur single, or or just jeans. a bit of twine that you found and put it around and make a halter out of it. Yeah, <laughs> go out, get on riding, and we'll meet you out there. Let's go ride, Joe. Yeah. Well, good night, Jim. <laughs> good and night, good night, Jackson. Good night. Good night.